Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I'm your host, Jacob Langsam. Here with me today is TJ Peterson. And uh, joining us, a very, very special guest, friend of the show at this point. I think this is, what, your third or fourth time on? Uh, <laughs> former Florida Panthers uh, amateur scout, Reese Jessup. Reese, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you guys for having me. So I, I, I will have to admit, I uh, was kind of like totally out of the loop on this year's draft class. Uh, and it does. Uh, the Panthers didn't have a a full uh, a full gamut of picks, but it seems like they did a pretty solid job with what they had to work with. Can you uh, give us your your kind of thoughts on uh, on the Panthers' twenty twenty one draft class? Let me know if I'm like entirely wrong in my initial analysis. And uh, yeah, what 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 do you feel about how Bill Zito did? Uh well, unfortunately, due to the. Uh the the nature of this draft i don't have a ton of insight on some of the later round guys like uh brayden hash i don't think had a uh played this season because the ohl canceled its uh its year and i didn't have the opportunity to see him last year with uh, kingston uh jacob kosh i uh again this is a a player that pl- represented the czech republic internationally but i didn't have a a lot of viewings on and uh kirill grasimuk is a uh, is a big goalie that had put up a good year in the yeah. mhl but uh again that's 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 not really my preview so those guys i can't really comment on but uh i think at the top <laughs> of the draft uh with their first two picks especially Mackie samoskevich from the chicago steel and evan Nas from uh the quebec ramparts i think they did pretty good um samoskevich especially uh, is intriguing. Mm. He played uh, in kind of a mid-six role with a with an absolutely dominant Chicago Steel team. And uh, Nas is a guy that has some very... Uh, he's taken kind of a circuitous route to where he is in the QMJHL. He's uh, played in Quebec, but he's actually from the town that I'm uh, recording with you guys from mm. in uh, White Rock, BC. So he's got, got some projectable elements too. So overall, I think it's a uh, another strong... Uh, first couple picks at least for the Panthers at the draft table yeah Samus Gavich at, at 24th overall was kind of an interesting name he's not someone that that I really heard all that much about and granted once you fall out of like the top 15 uh the average hockey fan isn't going to hear a lot about a ton of the guys past pick 15 or 16 or mm-hmm. so uh but there seemed like a lot of other names on the board I mean I we we can get into this later if we have time, but like the fall of Atu Ratty is one of these <laughs> draft. Uh, I mean, he was a top five talent this time last year, like a top five projection mm-hmm. at this time last year, and he ends mm-hmm. up going towards the back towards the end of the second round. Uh, I he's the guy I had my eye on for that twenty fourth overall pick. 
Uh, but there were a few other names that seemed really interesting. Um, so, so what about Samuskevich makes him uh, an intriguing pick other than uh, kind of what you already mentioned about playing for that stacked Chicago Steel team? I think it's the skill level. Um, he, this is a really, really good puck handler with really uh, dynamic offensive skills. He can make plays in, in transition. He can stick handle in a phone booth. Uh, this, like his, his hands are just so good. Like this is a, a guy that has some dynamic offensive potential. Um, he has, from what I've seen of him, he's a high pace player too. So the, the work rate is there. Um, and it's a pretty high ceiling player. Whereas a guy like Ratu um, had some questions about his ultimate offensive ceiling coming into the year with his kind of lack of, uh, of, of creativity and questions surrounding if he was just an early developer. Samoskevich didn't really have a lot of that. So again, you're getting a, uh, an, a creative offensive dyna- dynamic player whose puck skills and playmaking abilities really stand out. That's great. So this is kind of like the high ceiling swing for the fences kind of guy that uh, if it works, it's going to work out super, super well. I'd say so. Yeah. I think he projects as a potential um, mid six to top six scoring forward. Okay. Uh, he's not going to probably not going to be a first line guy. I think he probably yeah. projects better on the wing than at center. Um, and there are some attributes of his game that I, I don't like. Obviously, if there were, if he was a perfect player, he would have been drafted higher. higher uh, I believe yeah. he was, con- <laughs> yeah, he was considered uh, kind of like Ratu uh, as one of the uh, consensus top guys projected to go in the teens probably coming into the season because of his performance last year in USHL Chicago. But he also fell um, kind of thanks to playing down the lineup on that steel team, as well as some of the uh, the questions about his his distribution and his uh, skating, as well as his, uh, some of his rush attacking patterns. But, I mean, you're not getting a perfect uh, prospect at 24th overall. So right. he's, a, he's a fine pick there. I would have probably gone a different direction, but you, you can't really argue with Samoskiewicz in that position. Yeah, and um, there there's an unfortunate connection also between Samoskiewicz and the Florida Panthers. Uh, so he, he's kind of a narrative pick also to a certain extent, uh, yep. being from Newtown, Connecticut, kind of being around that age when, when Sandy Hook would have happened. And uh, the Panthers are obviously very close uh, to the MSD community. So there's kind of a, a character narrative mm-hmm. there too. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate, of course. It's it's a it's a it's a rather unfortunate connection, uh, but it is a connection all the same. Um, yeah, I and of course Samus gave it to the way you were saying that. I mean, he projects as a winger. Certainly, uh, for the Panthers, he projects as a winger. Who down the line right now have Barkov, uh, Lindell coming up the pipeline. Uh, Sam Bennett is an RFA right now, and of course now the Panthers uh, have the RFA rights to Sam Reinhardt also. Uh, so the center uh, center position is a little bit clogged up for for prospects yeah. for the Panthers. I'm, I'm not even sure that Reinhardt plays uh, right. <laughs> center for the uh, for the Panthers here. I think he's better on yeah. the wing, anyways. But yeah, the uh, with that trade, I think the um, because I've come on here before advocating the Panthers to trade some of their first round picks at yeah. this stage and where they are, and I think that's a we might get into that later. We might not, but that's a, uh, a move that I support and I think will work out quite, uh, quite well for them. Yeah. Now we're just waiting on, uh, waiting on that contract. And I, I agree. I think Reinhardt does at least start the season on wing. Uh, I, I think something would have to go horribly wrong with the Sam Bennett negotiations for Reinhardt to start the season mm-hmm. at center. <laughs> uh, yep. but, we, but we can get into that, uh, 
another time. Uh, so rounds two and four, Panthers go back to back with defensemen Evan Nas and Vladislav Lukashevich, uh, both of whom the consensus that I saw, at least on social media, seemed to be, wow, I can't believe these guys were still on the board. Good job, Florida. Uh, what, what can you tell us about Nas and Lukashevich uh, that we might not already know? Well, I don't know what you already know, so I'll just do my best. Yeah, to assume we know nothing because <laughs> I probably know nothing about them yeah. other than that I think people think they should have gone higher. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Nas is a guy that I have some time for. Uh, he was solid for right. me in um in in international viewings. Uh, red wore the uh, captaincy for Canada red last year at the uh, the U17s. Um, technically, he's a pretty strong skater. Uh, he's a really solid puck mover. He makes good passing decisions, doesn't really turn it over. Um, and yeah, I think that's going to be his bread and butter at the next level. It's going to be his puck moving ability, his, his off puck IQ, um, and his, his, uh, yeah, his, his passing and distribution ability. He doesn't really project to be a, uh, a guy that's dynamic at the, uh, at the offensive blue line, he doesn't really look like he's going to be a guy that's running your power play or, uh, or even jumping in and really pinching. Although he has some, uh, some pretty decent puck skill. Uh, and he definitely isn't not capable of doing that, you know? Um, yeah, I think he's just a, a solid pick, uh, for, for where he is and adds and projects probably as like a, a bottom four defenseman, just kind of a steady guy that you can roll out confidently on your uh, on your second or third pair and uh just give you some pretty some pretty consistent puck moving um lukashevich on the other hand uh i haven't particularly seen much positive out of him particularly not uh internationally um he uh he played in the mhl this season and so i didn't really have a chance to track him there but i remember what hit him at the u17s in russia he was one of the uh the guys that i thought struggled more on the russian defenseman uh his i didn't see much projectable in terms of his puck handling and puck movement um he's a he's a taller kid that needs to fill out his frame still i believe uh he's listed at like six foot two and under 160 pounds so how yeah so how he manages to do that like um there's like we saw for example with one of the kids that went off uh later in the draft to minnesota kyle masters adding some weight and spending year uh can really really alter how a kid moves around the ice uh because it allows him to get into different more efficient skating positions and lukashevich was a guy that i thought didn't have great feet uh but that might be solved by uh continued strength development so that's uh, that'll be an interesting thing with, to watch with him. But yeah, I when I saw Lukashevich, at least I didn't particularly have um, massive hopes for him. I didn't see a ton of upside there. But in the fourth round of the uh, at the draft, it's probably not the worst. Uh, and other people have seen him better than I have. So it's it's defensible. It's not like they uh, there. Let me put it this way: there were some pretty obviously worse picks in that range uh, yeah. that I thought other teams made. <laughs> Yeah, and of course, if you get like any semblance of an NHL-ish player out of the fourth round, you're you're pretty happy with that. So yeah, for if sure. If there's any upside there, then good job, Bill Zito. Yeah. Uh, I I just yeah. want to jump back to Evan Noss for just a sec because the way you were describing him almost sounded like a little a little John Ludwigy. Uh, yes and no. Um, Noss is technically a more refined skater than Ludwig. Great. Um, I think Ludwig's lateral mobility, especially defending the rush, 
uh, can can suffer at times. And that's something that really he really has to work on. Um, Nas is a lot better at uh, at rush defense in terms of uh, being able to stand up at the blue line, move laterally, mirror uh, an attacker's footwork, and like move them to the side and eliminate them. Uh, Ludwig is better at in zone defense. I find better at threat identification, um, de- denying high danger ice in and around the net. Um, and I think Ludwig has a uh, has a, a, a meanness um, and a nastiness to him that Nas doesn't quite have. But in terms of being able to move pucks and make good puck decisions, there is, there are some similarities there. So it's not uh, the it's not the worst comparison I've seen this week. Uh, but they are, are they are different players, and uh, they do have some different strengths and different weaknesses. Yeah, I, I saw some people on Twitter comparing Evan Nas to like Duncan Keith and. Ryan McDonough uh, and uh, I think Travis Sanheim was one I also saw. Those are <laughs> those are some some wildly dis- disparate right. comparisons. <laughs> That's all three of those players are also like that. Right? They're they're just they're such different players in their own rights. That yeah. To say, oh, this player could be like one of these three defensemen, like. Okay, that that's, tells me that's basically like... saying this player might be generic NHL defenseman. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they might play hockey. I guess. Yeah, I guess it's some of uh, the similarity between those guys is uh, they they all are uh, fairly solid skaters at the NHL level. So that's true. I guess that there's is something that there's the uh, the linking thread where it would come into play with Nas. They're all top four strong. Well, Duncan Keith less so now, but they're all top four Used strong to be. skating defensemen. And well, in their prime, all four of them were top yes. four strong skating defensemen. <laughs> what well, they can do with like, or without the puck is a different matter. But nobody's going to be like this. This guy reminds me of I don't know, uh, John. Uh, what's his name? Rob Blake. In that he skates like he's sixty years old. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, the guy, the guy that the Tampa Bay Lightning like drafted with the last, yeah. <laughs> the guy that the Tampa Bay Lightning drafted with the last pick today definitely skates like he's sixty years old. So, <laughs> yeah, but I guess I mean, what are you hoping for with the last overall pick? I mean, yeah, not, not everyone can be Patrick Hornquist, <laughs> yeah, or or Andre Palat, yeah, because they cer- they certainly didn't draft Andre Palat this year. I can uh, I can say that much. <laughs> um. So yeah, I guess that kind of that. That's that's uh, as much insight as you can really provide on the players that you that you really know. You said five, six, seven. You uh, are less familiar with, uh, though. It does seem like that Russian goalie. I mean, it seems like he could be something very interesting for the Panthers. He uh, he faced a lot of shots in the MHL and did a very very good job not letting most of them in. The uh... The interesting thing, though, with the MHL is that it's an incredibly uneven league, um, and it's not the best hockey. Uh, the way kind of Russia, Russian domestic hockey is has trended is very kind of conservative. Uh, there's a lot of old uh, John Tortorella-style defense where they clog the slot and let teams stay to the outside. So what you see in Russia at every level is that goaltender save percentages are, are really juiced. Like, I believe the... the league leader in the MHL is like at a close to a 950 or something like that. Uh, and he's not the only guy that's up and around, up around there. There's multiple wow. guys hovering around 940 and over half the league is probably 930. So 927 in the MHL, it's not bad. Um, it's definitely not nothing, but, but it's not it wouldn't what be like seven means in the NHL. <laughs> yeah. Or even the CHL for that matter. Uh, like not like, 
a 927 in the MHL is probably less impressive than like a 915 in the CHL, I'd say, relatively speaking. Um, And I believe he had uh, an appearance at the U18s this year and he got lit up. Um, So that was, uh, that's probably uh, didn't help him in the eyes of a lot of scouts. But at the same time, the best way to find a goalie in the draft is to draft a lot of goalies. And especially with the Panthers uh, trading Devin Levi, you might as well uh, take a guy who's very young for his draft year uh, and is well-regarded enough to be selected for a national team in a, uh, in a pretty prominent country. So it's, that's one of those where I don't, the, I don't think you can read too much into his uh, statistical performance uh, at any level just because of some of the contextual factors at play. But again, like it's a it's a fifth round pick on a goalie who's young, big, and represented his team internationally. I, I've heard some good things about him. He's not not on the board. Uh, publications had him going in and around the top 100, so it could be a a good value pickup for the for the Panthers here. And it's never a bad thing to have a uh, an extra goalie or two in your pipeline, especially if you're picking him up with your uh, later round picks. Uh, just so we make sure that we actually get this player's name in there, it's Kirill. I probably pronounced this incorrectly because I wasn't able to find a pronunciation <laughs> guide. Uh, Jerasimuk. It's and, probably uh, a hard G. Yeah, uh, definitely a hard G. Um, definitely did get lit up in the one game he played at the <laughs> under 18 uh, with a 714 save percentage in that one. So uh, not, not a great performance, but again, one game. And uh, consistently in all right, at least by uh, MHL goalie standards, nine thirty one. Mm-hmm. And he did appear in the VHL this year, uh, which mm-hmm. is Russian Tier Two League. Which mm-hmm. for a player as young as as him, because the it, generally Russian hockey is loath to elevate players that aren't uh, aren't a couple <laughs> years older oh, in their junior they? league. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I, I forgot. We we know all about this with Grigory Denisenko. Um, yeah, the, the fact that he is appearing in MHL games is uh, is is another kind of feather in his or not MHL uh, VHL games is another feather in his cap at this stage in his development. Okay. Oh, he's appearing in MHL games. That's that's mostly the league he's been playing in. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, and then so round six and seven are just kind of guys, huh? It's, I mean, one like you said. Uh, zero goals zero assists for zero points in zero games played i mean you, you can't yeah really i uh, from that <laughs> i i can't honestly tell you much about hash um he 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 played as a 17 year old after being drafted in the fourth round the ohl priority selection and unfortunately that's about all i can tell you uh about him because the ohl just didn't have a season right and uh Jakob Kosh was a guy that he, uh, a, a bigger forward that played, um, represented the Czech, uh, Czechs internationally. And I can't really say that at any point when I watched them, he stood out to me uh, in any predominant way. So those are, uh, those are guys that you have your regional scouts on. And if they have a lot of time for them, uh, as, a, as, a, as a person who concentrates on a different region you just have to trust your your teammates in that room to to be able to make those calls and if guys really like them uh deem that they're worth the worth the picks you uh you trust them and say like well right on i can tell that you're very uh very about this uh this player so that's a good sign i will say though that uh jacob kosh is um 
year statistically in the uh, U20 Finnish league, 18 points in 32 games is uh, not particularly strong for a, uh, for a player in that league. That's a, uh, that's one of those where the best players are getting uh, elevated to Liga and seeing some time there. Um, and if you're scoring at probably about uh, a mid six level, it's not a great sign going forward. So, but again, the Czechs have selected him to represent them internationally. Yeah. Uh, if if he's playing in Finland, um, I, I I do trust. Um, if they are still there, uh, I trust Yari Kekalainen's evaluation of, uh, <laughs> of of Finnish players. So, who yeah, knows? I was gonna say, young guys playing in Finland is also something that Panthers fans are very <laughs> very familiar with. Uh, yeah. So I guess. Uh, that that's kind of the player by player evaluation of the Panthers draft. If Reese, if you had to give the Panthers a letter grade, uh, what would you give? Uh, what would you give Bill Zito in a second draft for for Florida? Uh, I think I'd give him a solid uh, B minus. Uh, okay. So so pretty pretty good. Um, with the first pick, I I think they left some value on the board. Uh, my guy there would have been. Um, uh, Logan Stankoven of the Kamloops Blazers, uh, who ended up actually going 47 to Dallas. Uh, again, this is a NHL teams continue making the same mistakes that they have they've had for years. Sure. Uh, pass, yeah, <laughs> passing on a a high a high motor, hardworking, interior driven, dual threat scorer. Um, and it's not like the team down uh, or or up up north in the, in, I was about to call it the province, just up this upstate there from you <laughs> didn't just win a Stanley cup on the backs of a whole bunch of those guys. Right. So yeah, that's a, um, that w- that's, that's what I, what I think of, uh, of that, but you can't really uh, say, Oh, they, they didn't find value in the first round because Samoskiewicz is a, uh, is still a value is still a pretty good pick. Uh, and Nas, I don't think he's a, a particularly high upside play. Um, but again, it was at a point in the draft where there isn't a ton of those happening. Like you could, yeah. you could say that they they probably should have, or they should have gone with Sean Barons if they were looking for a defenseman, considering how uh, potent he was with the NTDP. But there wasn't also wasn't a ton of guys that I was I was there kind of that I'd be banging the table for uh, at that point. And with uh, the Lukashevich pick, uh, again, uh, I liked some of the. Um, I liked Topias Velen, uh, Robert Orr. I heard good things about Cole Jordan was very highly touted of the WHL. Um, so there are guys that I thought they could have done better with that pick as well. Yeah. If look, if there was a guy named Robert Orr on the draft board, how do you not draft him? Like- <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, I, I, I'm, I was surprised that he didn't go to the Bruins at 117, <laughs> uh, to be honest. That would have been just great. because you know, you know, why not? Right. right. They sell a lot of jerseys. They would yeah. sell a ton of jerseys, and uh, you know, there, there's something, of course, other, uh, something else very interesting that happened in this year's draft. There, there seemed to be a ton of teams that picked family members of players associated with those teams. Yes, yeah. and, and I, though I phrase it that way, of course, because of the Shane Doan thing, uh, beyond just a bunch of teams who picked brothers of players. Yeah, well, like Luke Hughes, uh, Colton Dock. Yeah, uh, I mean. Cole Sillinger, his yeah, yeah, Taylor McCarr. Uh, that one might have just been getting Kale to sign for five hundred k less per year. Mm-hmm. So right, so already it's it's paid off. It's it's been worth it. Right. Um, but yeah, the 
the the family thing in a year like this it actually makes sense why that happens it's because uh one of the 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 main reasons why you see a lot of uh of families putting players back in the nhl is because those those kids are going to have development opportunities available to them that other uh kids that don't have those industry connections just don't have right <laughs> so these are kids that are going to be like pro track from the time they're six years old they know all the nutritionists they know all the personal trainers and stuff so in a year like this where a lot of their leagues are shut down they're still going and they oh, still have the support structures point. behind them where they can they'll be able to continue training continue getting better whereas you're not entirely sure that um kids that don't have those contacts are going to be able to do that now i still think that they're uh the the uh importance of bloodlines can be overstated and is overstated at times but there are tangible benefits to being related to nhl players that do help uh that do help those kids so i guess there there's just one other uh one other thing i want to kind of get to a little bit in the in the couple of minutes that we've got left uh and maybe there's a way to approach this from a panther's angle if not uh i i'm just asking for a very brief synopsis what the hell happened to aturati um the best kind of theory i've seen on that is that he was an early developer uh, it's a little like Jesse Pugliarvi in the mm. sense that he's a he was a kid that matured early and had a physical advantage over his age group. So, and and like you see this sometimes as as, as well in the um, in the CHL, like Sean Day, for example. This is the same thing that happened to him, <laughs> and that he he matured so much earlier that he he was just physically dominant over his age group. Mm. So when the rest of the age group caught up. Uh, and was able to gain those physical tools. First of all, the platform skills that really separate the the great from the good weren't there. And second of all, they also weren't developed during those key development years. This is one of my um, pet theories, is that if you're going into the draft, you always want to look for the big guy that was small all of his life, like a uh, Brant Clark, for example. Sure. Uh, rather than the big guy that's always been big, because the big guy that was small had to learn how to play with a dis- with like some some little some some disadvantages in terms of strength, in terms of maturity and stuff like that. So they they're able to they learn things like puck protection, how to shake checks, uh, how to how to invite pressure, how to use leverages and stuff like that. That big players that are always big, they can just like shove guys around and don't have to worry about. Uh, so Ratu was one of those guys who potentially developed really early uh in the finish league he filled out early he had this massive physical advantage over his peers so he was elevated sooner uh and of course if you're elevated sooner people are going to look at you first and be like oh wow like there's uh there's that guy like you look at him in comparison to one of the kids the carolina hurricanes selected uh vile koivunen um who went one pick after well koivunen is near a uh a year younger a full year younger um he scored more at fin- in Finnish junior than 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 Ratu has at uh, at any point, and he's like thirty pounds lighter at this point in time. So you look at the development path for him and the development path for Ratu. It's like, well, if one we're getting close to a finished physical product, 
how much better is he going to get? Whereas the other, it's like, okay, we have a, a kid here with a ton of hockey sense that physically is not done growing. Uh, we can get him in the gym. We can get it with some, get him with some nutritionists, have him work out. And he's already scoring more and performing better at international levels than the other guy. So how, how much longer is his development track? So I think that's kind of what happened with, uh, with Ratu. Uh, I don't think he's a bad prospect by any means. Uh, I think he offered good value where the Islanders got him in the, uh, in the early fifties. And I think he ha- still has a, a path to becoming a very good uh, NHL player. I think he had four goals today in the world's junior summer showcase against Sweden. Uh, so yeah, we're not discounting Ratu uh, by any sense, but I don't think his ceiling uh, is as high as we thought it might be this time last year. Got it. Reese Jessup, thank you as always for your insight. Before we let you go, where can people find your work? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at that's underscore offside. Uh, I've been tweeting a lot lately. Uh, I'm probably not going to be tweeting much for the next week because I am burnt out. My brain is mush, uh, partly because of all that and partly because uh, I have a podcast now. Uh, uh, good friends of mine, Garrett Hole and Jackson McDonald, uh, and I have put together uh, a podcast. It's called Controlled Entries. You can find that on Twitter at CTRL underscore entries. We put together a whole draft preview series. Um, Panthers fans might want to check out the QMJHL episode of that. I sat down with uh, David San Louis of Elite Prospects Ringside, and Evan Nas was one of his top five uh, players coming out of the QMJHL. So we discussed him at length in that episode. Um, we might be taking a, a bit of a breather here uh, to let free agency play out, but when we uh, record our next episode, I'm sure we're going to touch on all the player movement, uh, including uh, Sam Reinhart to the Florida Panthers. Hopefully we'll clarify yes. on, on that contract again. Yeah. I uh, Let's see it. It's Let's definitely, it. An, yeah, it's definitely an exciting time to be a Panthers fan. Uh, mm-hmm. They adding Anton Lundell next season, um, the Yandel buyout. Uh, if their <laughs> defense uh, stays healthy and maintains the level that they showed last season, particularly from Uyghur and Forsling, uh, and even from Radko Gudis, um, the only big question mark is how Spencer Knight can handle a full uh, season, probably likely platooning with Bobrovsky, uh, and maybe in a platoon role, Bobrovsky bounces back too. Uh, although we didn't, re- we didn't really see that with uh, with Drieger, um in the full. But yeah, I'd, I have uh, high hopes for uh, for if I was a Panthers fan next season, and uh, Sam Reinhart uh, definitely. Uh, helps and uh, makes that top nine look pretty formidable. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to that episode and hearing you gush over the Panthers and Sam Reinhardt. Reese, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> it was a pleasure, guys. Anytime. Thank you, Reese. We want to thank Reese Jessup again for joining us to uh, to give a quick recap of the Florida Panthers uh, 2021 entry draft. Uh, but the fun of this weekend is far from over. We still have yet to really discuss uh, possibly the greatest and most impactful thing that happened uh, for the Florida Panthers uh, this weekend. Uh, so joining us from Expected Buffalo to talk about it, Anthony Chandra. Anthony, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, Jacob, TJ, thanks for having me, guys. So... Obviously, Panthers fans have had the pleasure of watching Sam Reinhardt score 10 goals a season against them uh, for the last few years, but you have been watching him day in, day out 
since he was drafted. So we kind of want to get the, uh, the Buffalo perspective of what the Florida Panthers can expect from Sam Reinhart. So Sam Reinhart to me, and, and I'm going to try to be as unbiased here as possible. He's Good one luck. of, I know how much you love him. I, I love him <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Um, he's, he's one of, if one of the top five most underrated forwards in the NHL. Um, mm-hmm. And part of that is because he's been on a very bad team since 2014. Um, and he's, he's, he's been called up since 15, right? Cause he spent the one year in, in the WHL after being drafted. And so that's six years of being on, probably the worst team in hockey in that stretch. I mean, definitely the worst team in hockey in that stretch. He was also miscast. Uh, they, in his 19 year old season, they, they played him as a center. He didn't look very good on what was a very bad team. And they decided to never do it again and make him a right winger, which he excelled at. Uh, and then last year they moved him back to center under Don Granado and surprise, surprise, he's really good at it. So <laughs> Reinhardt's value probably took a hit being drafted as a center and then uh, having the perception that he couldn't cut it there, but really they, they bailed on the experiment way too early. And last year in, in a relatively small sample, like 38 games, I think it was under Granado. Um, he, he excelled there. I mean, he, he was easily the Sabres best player. He was the de facto top line center. Um, and, and he didn't have impressive line mates. It was like Anders Bjork and I don't know, Victor Olofsson, maybe it, it, it wasn't like a, a great, you know, duo that, that was helping him drive possession. He was kind of doing it on his own. So excellent player, very underrated because of circumstance more than anything and, and kind of being in the Eichel shadow, right. Where they came in around the same time and their rookie seasons were the same and, you know, Jack is Jack. So um, severely underrated. You're going to love him. Um, I'm sick about the return, but I'm sure you'll get to that. (laughs) It's, you know, it's, it's a little interesting hearing uh, the experience of Sam Reinhardt, the center versus Sam Reinhardt, the right wing, uh, because he probably does project as a winger for the Panthers, which is fine because he'll excel there. That the, 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 the reason, the reason I bring it up is because the Sabres, especially after the O'Reilly trade, didn't have a center that was capable of playing in the top six after Jack Eichel. And they still were just like, nah, we're not going to put Sam back there. Like here's, here's Patrick Bergman. Like here's Marcus Mm -hmm. Johansson. It's like he was sitting there the whole time Mm -hmm. and they just never even tried it again. He was, he was the Stahl. pretty girl with glasses who didn't Eric realize Stahl, he was pretty. <laughs> glasses off yeah. and let his hair down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brutal. I, I was going to say, uh, just on, on your comment about him being played on, on the wing with the Panthers, I, I'm going to do this thing where I, I pound my soapbox again. And, like, why are we so sure that Sam Bennett is really good? Like, come we're on. Not. We're, we're not. We're not, but that's not the point. Sam Reinhardt is better than <laughs> Sam Bennett. I he's agree. Better at playing center than Sam Bennett. So if he's not playing second line center, so we can play Sam Bennett second line center, that's ridiculous. But I, I mean, think there's one very distinct difference though, and that's Reinhardt has shown to excel on the wing. Bennett has not. That was what I was going to bring Bennett up. Bennett has yeah. shown to excel um, as long as he's in South Florida and it's April or May or June, something like that. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, it's it's going to be kind of interesting. I mean, we have three players who could reasonably be our second line center. And by the way, Florida's a smart enough organization with, with, a, with a discerning enough staff to, if, it, if you do go Sam Bennett early and it's not working, like right. that amazingly as a Sabres fan this is completely foreign to me but they could actually do something mid-season to change their lines it'd be really neat and (laughs) and, you know 
so I wouldn't worry about that too much if you were you guys. Now, if, if Ralph Kruger was your coach, the lines would be locked in forever, no matter what. You'd lose 18 games in a row and eventually <laughs> just like, I don't know, walk uh, into the abyss. 18. But yeah. Hey, Owen Power is going to be fun, though. Um, he is going to be fun. <laughs> Victor Hedman. In 2023. Yeah. For now, we, for now, the struggle. After, yeah. obviously, you don't have Reinhardt anymore, and then you won't have Eichel by then. And yeah. uh, I wonder what the piss turn for Rasmus will be by then. And... You're going to have Shane Wright. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Connor Bedard, yeah. Oh, yeah, Connor Bedard. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But this, this, I mean, I really don't want to spend this whole time just yeah, just Sabre. lamenting the Sabres struggle. Entire like this, this is just going to turn into an episode of Expected Buffalo real quick. I mean, we, we um, could we could talk about how this rebuild is off to. I mean, th- this return, I I don't know if I feel as badly as you about it, just because we're looking at one year left of re- restricted free agency for Reinhardt. So we're we're talking about basically a free agent. Like they basically got his free agency rights almost. So do you want me to dive into that? It might be a good segue. Yeah, sure. So, yeah. So the reason I'm mostly disappointed is I feel that the Sabres backed themselves into a corner that maybe wasn't there. So if, if I were the Buffalo Sabres, what I would have done in in a a market, because you just saw Pavel Buchnevich go for very little as well. And it's a really similar situation where the fucking blaze. I know, I know. And so they're, him and Reinhardt are actually pretty comparable guys in that regard, right? And so knowing that that winger market is pretty weak right now, where the defense market is insanely inflated, mm-hmm. the Sabres didn't have to trade Sam. You could have, and even if he didn't want to sign an extension with you, you could have taken him to arbitration, chosen the two-year award, right? And then, and then said to yourselves, okay, let's see if in this two-year stretch, the winger market or the center market, if you keep playing him at center, heats up and we can get a better return. It seems like it, it, it almost felt like, uh, I don't even know what to describe it as, like, like a UFA, like how you handle an expiring UFA, like at the trade deadline, right? Yeah. Take the best deal and run, you know, kind of like what they do with Taylor Hall, which is why I don't beat them up too badly about what they got from Boston. Cause like, what are you going to yeah. do? Like you took yeah. the best deal guy at an NMC, right? Yeah. They treated it like that and, and they didn't have to. And so it's like selling your house during a housing crash. Like it just seemed very odd to me given you know the market and, and if that was really their best offer like either they got impatient and, and made a hasty kind of silly decision or they really love levy like th- those are the two possibilities because like let's be honest with ourselves that that's a late first round pick i mean the panthers with yeah. sam reinhardt there's no doubt they pick in the late mid to late 20s uh, uh, you know so i'm banking on 31 or oh, 32, yeah. 32. Uh, by the way, I, knowing that knowing that this is another tank year for the Sabers, like go Cats, man! Like I was rooting for yeah. them in the playoffs. Like I love, Hell yeah, <laughs> I love the Cats. It was the first <laughs> hockey team I played on. We had the, the Panthers color concept. It was the palm tree this era. Great. So it was cool. This is the great, um, great content. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember getting the socks and everything. They had them lined up by team, and I was sad we weren't the Sharks because that's like. You know, they sharks, they came sharks in. are pretty Everyone cool as well. Teal, like, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. well, they came into the league during my birth year, so I had like this this obsession uh. with the sharks as a kid. Um, See, that's interesting because TJ and I were uh, we're we're both ninety three. Oh yeah, so the Panthers, Panthers, the Panthers, oh, and us and will forever yeah. oh, okay. be the same age. When, when were the Ducks? Were they ninety four then or ninety five? I think they were the same ducks year. Ninety three also. Oh, oh, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, sorry, we, weird segue there. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so so. I think that's where my disappointment comes. But it, so as a Sabres fan, I'm looking at this as kind of a, a sum of its parts thing where um, if you had told me that on this day, 
Sam Reinhardt and Rasmus Ristolainen would be gone. And in total, I would have received two first round picks, a second round pick, Robert Hag, which whatever, and, and Levy, I'd probably be pretty stoked on that. I'd be okay with that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it kind of levels out. It doesn't put me in a bad place, like where I expected them to be or what I expected them to have at this point, like, you know, rebuild wise, I'm feeling good. Um, brought in power. I think Rosen was a little bit of a reach in the first round, but like not yeah. terrible. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and they, you know, and they finally drafted a Russian for the first time since the seventh round in 2016. So that was cool. Um, but you guys don't know about that, do you? No. no. Sabres have had a distinct and very strict anti-Russian policy uh, since wow. Grigorenko. They, uh, yeah. 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 So they, sense, they've yeah. drafted one <laughs> Russian since 2012 when he was in the seventh round in 16. Wow. Vasily I mean, Glotov, who never played an NHL. You must, have, you must have laughed about the Grigorenko experience in Columbus this year. It was something. <laughs> it was something yeah it was great and then the other guy we drafted that year is still on the team somehow in Gergensen's but um so all-star me, that's right that's that's NHL all-stars <laughs> Miss Gergensen's to you I, on the podcast last week Chad Chad goes who represents Buffalo at the all-star game next year and I joked and said I'm like Adam Henry because I thought we'd trade Michael to the Ducks right um and and he said uh, and then I asked him, is there anyone from like a really obscure country who could just rally behind their guy again? Like Kirkinson's in 14? Because it was the country of Latvia. That yeah, that's right. right. Yeah, Latvia. Still one of the best fan vote all-star moments. Awesome. Like that it's, it, and It's up there with uh, like Rory Fitzpatrick. Scott, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then Rory Fitzpatrick for the Canucks who like didn't go. He's like, this is embarrassing, guys. I don't want to do this. Um, I think that was like 08 maybe, but, but yeah. So I, I don't know if you have more questions on it, but um. Yeah, it, from what TJ was saying, though, uh, on the return side, um, I, I, I think if he was a UFA, that return's great. Like, you got a first-round pick for a top-line center, and you, and you got a yeah. guy who could be a good goalie. And, you know, but for the situation, it, it seemed like an unforced error a little bit. Yeah. yeah. The, the best tweet that I saw about it yesterday was, the Sabres day seems a lot more interesting or a lot better if you pretend that the returns for the players they traded were flipped. Were reversed. And- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and that and that kind of right speaks toward right. what I was saying before exactly. some of his parts thing where yeah if if you get Levy and a first round pick for Ristolainen you're throwing a party and if you get you know the first the second Hag for for uh, Reinhardt it's like okay wow you're already yeah. forgetting his name who well, I mean I don't <laughs> oh, know Reinhardt, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right would you rather have a would you rather have a second round pick or Devin Levi that's an interesting question for me because of how second well round he pick. played fair enough. Um, like only be, he, only, and, and by the way, so everyone always counters me on this with mm-hmm. second round picks have a 30% propensity to ever make it to the NHL. I said, you're right, mm-hmm. but they have almost a hundred percent propensity to get you a top six or a top four, something from a desperate team. So I look at it as asset value, not pick value. That um, is a very fair point. Yeah. So that's why I, I didn't really hesitate there. Second round pick yeah. for me. I don't, I don't think of, of Levi as like, oh, he's just a seventh round throw in. Like you could right. think of him no, as, no, as no, if no. it was he's a seventh not. round pick. But he looks like he a shouldn't centerpiece have here there. and maybe he shouldn't be. Yeah, I agree right. with you on that. It's like, too he, early for Devin Levi to be the, yeah. the centerpiece of a trade. And like, I love Devin Levi. For yeah, the record, yeah, we're high on him. As a Jew, big fan of Devin Levi. <laughs> yeah. But, as as a Panthers fan, real happy that that was the marquee piece in Sam Ryan. Well, the, well, the first it. round pick is the marquee piece. That's true. Yeah, it's basically a second round. It's like first pick of the second round. That's true. I, I, like, I do I wonder know. though. Like we're I, talking I about the Panthers. So this is, is uh... yeah. I I know that Devin Levi is like yeah. It's always good to have someone like that in your system. Yeah, but mm-hmm. 
are the Sabres concerned about Uko Pekalukanen? Well, that's a good question. Never right? hurts and, to have goalies. Right. True. Think. But but even if you are, Eric Portillo is a, still a really good prospect. He's going to start for Michigan this year. And like, that's going to be a super group, right? So he's going to have a really runs nice... a hot dog empire in Chicago. That I didn't know. But um, <laughs> fair it, enough. Portillo's. It, yeah, it's it's probably not the same family. Oh, but okay. It's a I wonder if that's... <laughs> like, it's, it's a, a wonderful Italian oh, I thought you were chain. dropping some yeah, real if, knowledge here. I, so did I. I'm no. like, that's news to me. No, no, no. Um, no. If, if you ever go to Chicago, you have to try the Italian beef sandwich at Portillo's. It is the best. Know. But uh, but yeah, so... It, probably it, not related to Eric Portillo. <laughs> so it's a little weird for that reason. Like, they have two pretty promising young boys in the system already. Um, Lucan in has not played in the AHL the way we were hoping. He has transitioned to the AHL that well. I think he's rocking like a 906 over like combined. It's probably a full year of play, kind of half year in uh, 1920 and then the COVID shortened year last year. So um, not like what we want so far. So like, no, he's not a a sure bet, but like I said, you've got Portillo right behind him. Mm -hmm. So like if Levy was like a big time target there, I kind of wonder if they're, and this is just me speculating. I kind of wonder if they're thinking to package one of those goalies in something else. Mm-hmm, and they're maybe. looking to maybe replenish the pipeline. And they, maybe yeah. they like Levy better than both of them anyway and say, mm-hmm. like, okay, great. So now we've got a better version and I'm going to put Luke in into this deal. Maybe, right? I, mm-hmm. Purely, purely speculative. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it's, this it's, is... it's also interesting because there were other names being thrown around. I mean, we heard Alexi Hapaniemi who like, yeah, that's a fair piece that you maybe try to build around as like a second line winger even the top line mm-hmm. winger, if you develop him right you right there are some nhl players i mean granted a guy like frank vetrano that's that's a throw how much but, use but even, like but even at that though so so even at that let me say this so Flip first time first on happy right i i tweeted it out if that if that deal is happy and i said orlandell which is a huge reach but yeah um <laughs> but like this is a way different conversation like like happy and a first like that's that's okay like i'm nobody's like really lighting the world on fire over that um because like that's a need and he's he has a huge ceiling um you know and and it just goes further toward a a guy who's got a little bit shorter lead time to hit the nhl right so i I think that would have been received a little better um and then to to tj's point just now Mm -hmm. throwing in vitrano is huge for two would have been better for two reasons number one Mm -hmm. The Sabres, if the if Jack Eichel is not playing a game for them next year, which he's still on the team, you know, never say never. But if he's definitely gone, you need an insulating center to play that top line spot, right? And you can call Tampa Bay and say, hey, what are you giving me to take uh, Tyler Johnson's uh, contract off your books? And, you know, there's options in that regard. But you could even, like, sign Derek Stepan to a one-year deal, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. just there, – there's options. But, I mean, that kind of sorts that out for you. And, like you just said – if, if he inflates his numbers as the top line center and the top power play center in Buffalo for the year, well, okay. Then at the trade deadline, you've got a guy with inflated numbers who you might get a second round pick for and up oh, now it's a first, a second and Levy. And now it looks a lot better. Right? So yeah, the absence of the Toronto, I had no interest in the rumor that Akiari was the throw in. I'm like, well, like no pass, no. but, but um, 
Yeah, if if it was Vitrano, I I I would have felt a lot better because that that's basically it's an asset, right? You're he's a dealable guy at the deadline. I mean, even yeah. a team yeah. that's not looking that's kind of like on the fringe of things, like not looking to invest huge in a reinforcement, will throw you a third for him, right? So so yeah, that was a little disappointing. Um, not because I, I'm a huge Frank Vitrano fan. I think he's fine. Um, he's he's probably a very average middle six, no third line center, yeah. like you know but, bottom yeah, six center. He's like, a winger. Yeah. Like, Oh, what? Sorry, winger, winger, winger. But um, <laughs> but but you know, I mean, eh, it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's just it's just opportunity cost, and and again, like I said before, it, it just seems like an unforced error. Yeah, I I was I was shocked that the return was as little as it was after hearing all the rumors. And like I had I had Panthers fans in my mentions also when I was talking about how excited I was that we were trading mm-hmm. for Sam Reinhardt, who were saying like, oh, what if what if Lundell is part of the return, and like. No, there's even at the even at the time before the returns announced, like no, we're not trading our top prospect for RFA rights. Well, as good what, as Reinhardt is, like no, well, that's if he not was twenty one, it would be different. He's twenty six. Well, I'll say this: yeah, if, look, it, yeah, if it's if Elias trade, Patterson, then if yeah. the trade came with an extension, now you're maybe talking. But yeah, like he's even then i don't like know. a long-term yeah extension. you're probably not getting great value on that extension unless so here's, it's like here, very here's my logic friendly. though here's my logic sam is 25 to going on 26 right yeah. mm-hmm. i think everybody's really stoked if lundell turns into sam reinhardt i think everybody's stoked i almost think that's expected mm. to be honest well, I, I think the ex like the baseline expectation is I mean, I mean, well, there's a di- there's a difference between what the fans are looking at because mm-hmm. every prospect is amazing and they're yeah, future right. superstar. Just ask Rangers fans. Yeah, like no, but like yeah. I I think there it's even more than the fan perspective of oh, there's no way Lundell bombs. Like Lundell projects to be a Barkov Junior. Like mm. that's that's eh. how good. No, don't me, TJ. That's that is that he shows was, he was putting numbers. up. He Barkov was putting up the numbers he put up draft plus one in his draft year. There's a reason that he didn't go top two. The, right, the that's way why that I didn't say did. he projects to be Barkov. Right, fair. Hey, enough. listen, <laughs> he's a Barkov second line L- version of Barkov. Listen, Barkov light, a rich man's Johan Larson. Either way, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have time for Johan Larson, but like I in, my so in my yeah, bottom six, in my oh for sure. <laughs> Do not put him anywhere in the top six, but he is yeah. one of the best defensive centers in the league. I maintain so, that. So I guess yeah. this is this is a good time to kind of we already kind of started touching on it, but yeah. uh, what what about Sam Reinhardt's contract? Like what what do you think that he might get? What would you have expected him to get in Buffalo if he was staying? Yeah. What, what do you think is fair value on Reinhardt's extension here? It, it depends on the term, right? If you can negotiate something long term with Sam, um, I think a team like Florida that that has a, a runway or, or at least a, a pathway to success. Um, if he's interested in that, I think you can get him for 7 million a year. If it's a one to two year deal type of thing, you're probably looking at 7.58. Wow. I believe $7 million makes Sam Reinhardt our highest paid forward. He makes, <laughs> yeah. what does Barkov make? I have nine until, 5. 9, be, until yeah. for one more season, Barkov's oh, okay. 5.9. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that extension probably happens next week. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah. Um, um, and Huberto it, too. Huberto and Barkov are both at 5.9. Yeah, I don't think he he'd do anything less than seven, um, hmm. just because he's earned it. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I think I think if you're if you're going short term, it's going to be a little more. Um, but if uh, if you do a long term deal with him, I think I think that, that that's the move. 
I mean, if you can lock Sam down for seven years, he's not the type of player who is going to like hit that hard regression, right? He, he's not, mm-hmm. um, just, you know, a lumbering guy who, who, who uses his, you know, it, and he's also not a guy who relies on his speed, which, which sounds bad, but it's not, um, he's not an impressive skater. He never has been. Yeah. Uh, he does every, literally everything else well though. So you're mm-hmm. not going to see some like, you know, this guy's so fast. And then by the time he hits 30, he's, you know, an oil freighter, you know, it's not, it's not going to be like that. Um, and he's not a big burly guy, like a Kylo Poso, who, who's a big heavy mm-hmm. dude who, so when he lost the step, it was bad, bad. Right. Yeah. Cause like he was lugging around th- that big frame. Um, mm-hmm. But no, you're you're gonna love Reinhardt. If I'm the Panthers, I'm doing everything I can to, to lock him down to a seven year deal. Really? Um, mm-hmm. I, absolutely, seven. I would. Okay, without hesitation. Mm-hmm. If if yeah. the Sabers didn't completely alienate him, that's what a smart team would have done, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I was thinking about like four or five years just to get him to thirty and then call it a day. You could do that, but I guess uh, you know. I guess I guess if you don't think he's the kind of player who at thirty is just gonna like, nope. He's, you know, he's no, no. I'm going to tell you this. Since, since Jochen Hesht retired in 2011, Sam Reinhardt has That's been the single. Name. It is. <laughs> he has been the single most consistent Sabres contributor that they've had. That I feel very comfortable saying. He, there, yeah. there are no waves in his game. There's no up and downs. There's no streaks. He's Sam Reinhardt every day. And I, I know I'm I'm kind of like waxing poetic about about this guy right now, but I, I can't hey. I can't undersell or oversell how much you guys are gonna love him. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see what uh, what he. I I would not be surprised if we start the season Verhage Barkov Reinhardt on the top line. It's gonna be the most vicious line in hockey. <laughs> it really will. It's certainly gonna be up there. Yeah, and then you keep the Huberto Bennett Duclair line together also, and I mean. That top six is so interchangeable also, which is very good. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I still am just like hoping and praying that we don't go Sam Bennett 2C. Just like, I'm going to have to see Look, it man. for 82 <laughs> straight games before I believe. Like, I don't think that makes me crazy. I mean, we're talking about a guy that was like a 25-point guy in Calgary. Can I drop yeah, one more anecdote on you guys that sure. you're going to love about Sam Reinhardt? Absolutely. Yeah, let's go. There was a narrative both in Buffalo from, from just, you know, the eyeball test crew and, and, and league wide that Sam Reinhardt's success came as a result of playing with Jack Eichel. Did you know his expected goal rate through his career is actually better when Eichel is injured and he's managing his own line than it is with Eichel. That sounds uh, a little bit like Vinny Trocek who always seemed to play a little bit better when Barkov was hurt. I'm just saying the the narrative that Sam was a result or a product of Jack of of being on his line for let's be real 75% of his career so far. It's, it's not founded in, in fact, it's not founded in the data It's, it's founded in perception. Look, and 40 points in 54 games this past season. Yeah. Jack Eichel didn't play much this season. Right. (laughs) So they yep. couldn't have played together. So that's, right. I mean, that's as good of an argument as you can make for he's not just a product of Eichel. 100%. So imagine taking someone who's not just a product of Eichel and then putting him with Barkov. <laughs> it's going to be wild. Very yep. excited. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we could have the Barkov versus Eichel debate all day with you, Anthony. But <laughs> uh, I think if we would have, if you would have tried it with me last year, you'd have lost, but now you'll win. 
Yeah, I mean, I would have agreed with you last year because Barkov was legitimately not very good defensively and people would have still said, oh, you know, but he's Selkie caliber, blah, 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 blah. And I I don't know if he deserved the Selkie last year, which Jake will get really angry about me saying, but um, it definitely was significantly better defensively last year. It was his turn. First half of like Barkov's first half of this past season is what won him. Oh season. yeah, I mean like he was fantastic yeah. through the first yeah. like thirty games. We can mm-hmm. we can talk about oh you know Duclair was a great addition, Verhage was a great addition, Uyghur was like Norris caliber. But in the first half of the year, it was really just that Barkov decided that he was going to be elite defensively, and that mm. was why the Panthers were that much better than they were the year before. And then right. who could have seen it coming? He gets a little injured, comes back, and he's suddenly not. The first half, mm-hmm. like Barkov's yeah. injuries always do a little bit more of a number. Yeah. And I feel like he always comes back a little bit too early. Yeah. Um, well, Jack's shoulders yeah. held together with like gummy worms and rubber bands right now. So like, <laughs> I think you'd win this debate. <laughs> all right. Um, I, uh, TJ, I, uh, I think that's all I've got. Uh, so if you don't have anything else. Uh, Let's uh, just do a, a small thing here on the, this is the beginning of kind of the, the Sabres retool, I guess. So mm-hmm. what, what's your vision for it? What, what do you think ultimately this leads? So I think we saw it um, this weekend in, in not only their trades, but, but their, you know, how they drafted the Sabres are trying to overhaul their prospect system, their, their entire pipeline. So the biggest problem with the Sabres isn't the fact that they keep, I mean, it's obviously the fact that they keep failing at the NHL level. However, for a team that's perpetually rebuilding, they probably, in my opinion, I, I looked at all of them and, and this is kind of a little teaser for something I'm going to do for expected Buffalo prior to this draft, prior to this off season, uh, I had them having the 25th most impressive prospect pool in the NHL. Um, so a team that is consistently finishing last or in the bottom three of the league, and your prospect pool is one of the bottom six to seven, that's a really big problem. So that, that mm-hmm. just shows there's no end in sight. You don't, you don't have a plan. You don't have a, a succession at all. Um, so it's just a rebuild as it keeps going in circles, which 11-year playoff drought. So um, <laughs> I, I think this weekend kind of showed, and, and they're, they're, they're not drafting for need, but they're drafting for organizational needs. So the Sabres, aside from Owen Power, obviously, they drafted like, eight forwards or seven forwards because our forward prospect pool is so weak and the defensive one is actually quite strong. And even at the NHL level, your top two defensemen are 21 and 22 years old in, in Dalin and Yoki Haru. Right. And, and you've got um, Jacob Bryson, who's young and you've got Matias Samuelson, Ryan Johnson. So uh, even Oscar Loxanen uh, played great in Rochester last year. So, so the defensive pipeline was their strongest suit. And I'm glad they kind of recognized that drafted power because at one overall you pick your best player no matter the position right but after that they went straight forward and they went with a lot of high skill a lot of boomer bust guys but guys with elite elite offensive skill right and that means so much to me and it's the opposite of what they've done uh that they they've drafted so conservatively at forward um a lot of defensively responsible guys which results in gergensons who's a great defensive forward but again like low ceiling he Picked him 12th overall, right? Um, Johan Larson, great defensive center. You picked him with a second round pick, right? Asplund, great defensive winger. You picked him first pick of the second round, right? So it's just, 
that um, philosophy seems to be changing and, and, you know, collecting assets, collecting futures, just, just more scratch offs, man, more lottery tickets, see what hits and build through your own system. And, and that's something Kevin Adams talked about last year and, you know, bringing on Jason Carmanos and, and, and Sam Ventura, right. Really kind of fortifying that front office. It's different. Like you could feel it's different. Maybe, maybe, you know, the Sam Reinhardt trades a loss and, and the wrist lines win. And maybe like, he's still kind of like a net neutral in terms of like trade acquisitions. Yeah. Right. And, and stuff like that. And, and he's a young GM and, and that happens, but overall, I don't know if that's going to matter so much if you're, actually developing through your system like the Sabres have lost trades the last five years and it's hurt them badly but it's hurt them badly because they have no like uh they, they have no backup plan like if it goes bad it's you don't have anyone waiting in the wings like it's that trade needs to be awesome or it's you're in trouble right and they haven't been awesome and they've been in trouble so all great organizations who have consistent runs right like the dynasties like your boston's your pittsburgh they develop through their own system and when guys become too expensive, they sell them for a profit and just keep replenishing the system and, you know, next man up. And I mean, they've all done it so well. And if the Sabres are going to be a team that gets out of the basement on a, on a more permanent or semi-permanent basis, they're going to have to be one of those organizations. And so in that respect, I'm, I'm hopeful for this new vision. I like how they've approached it. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. The one thing I want to say that uh, I'm in, I'm anticipating that the Sabres can capitalize on is in the next few years, the very top end of the draft has some incredible yeah. talent. Yeah. I don't even need to rattle off the names because we already mentioned some of them, Shane, right? Connor Bedard, but also uh, Matthew, I can't pronounce his last name. Savoy mm-hmm. of the Savoy. WHL mm-hmm. uh, Lambert, I-, I think is coming up in the next mm-hmm. couple of years and he's going to be really good. I mean, mm-hmm. th- they're going to be able to replenish that star quality that Eichel is currently giving them, and to an extent, Reinhardt, if mm-hmm. they, you know, just get a little lucky, like, and really just avoid just complete a complete lack of luck in the next few yeah. years with the lottery balls. They're yeah. going to be able to get a great player. I mean, look, you 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 drafted eight forwards today. If if two of them hit, then you've mm-hmm. got even, and that's conservative, right? Two of them, you know, twenty five percent success rate. You've mm-hmm. got Dylan Cousins up there. Olsen, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of his, but he's young, right? And he, he's yeah. offensively talented. He's something. He's something. He's right? a power play specialist. He's a power play specialist. He's yeah, you're right. Um, but uh, you know, you you've got Middlestead who's coming up strong. You've got Asplund. Like your bottom six has a lot of young good pieces. R2 Rutsalainen is is mm-hmm. just an amazing find out of Finland. Just a European free agent. Which mm-hmm. I don't know why any Euro free agent after Kulikov, Pilot, or not Kulikov. I'm sorry, Pilot. Um. I'm forgetting the guy's name. He came the same year as Kulikov. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, Victor Antifin. I don't know why any Euro FAs would ever come to Buffalo again. But, hey, he did, and he's doing well. <laughs> but, yeah, there, there's there's youth there. There's, there's maybe not those foundational pieces yet, aside from Cousins and Darlene. But, like, it's there. Like, the, it, it's, it's coming along. So, I really hope within two to three years we're talking about, okay, this team can push now. Like, this team can – can can you know be in the playoff conversation but you know again it's just just about replenishing those futures and and really rebuilding this whole setup from the bottom up well we certainly look forward to doing a preview series of atlantic division winners florida panthers versus Mm -hmm. uh wild card one or wild card two buffalo sabers in a first round playoff series buddy i know to, to like to like 60 percent of the fan bases that would like come off as like a jab or an insult for me i'll take that all day long man get me back get me back in the show i don't care i'll be i'll be Look, the eighth seed i don't care we've been there we need to get out of round one been there 
just need to taste. Maybe, maybe to that's taste, maybe that's what it happens. Maybe yeah. Buffalo's yeah. return yeah. to the playoffs is when the Panthers finally get beyond round one. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah right. Gosh, there you go. By you way, really got to twist the knife. Jesus no, Christ! He's not. He's actually. This is a fantasy for me. I just want to get there. Like this is great. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Anthony. Before we let you go, why don't you plug everything you're working on? Let people know where they can find you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter and, and see a lot of savers related memeing and, and sometimes analytics and smart things I say, um, yeah. I'm at DB. Like us, but for Buffalo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm uh, at DBTBANTH, A-N-T-H. And uh, if you want to follow us at Expected Buffalo, uh, which is a site run by Chad Dedeminisis and kind of co-captained or, or, you know, first admiraled by myself, um, that's at Expected Buffalo, just as it's spelled. And uh, we also do the Expect Buffalo podcast, which is at X Buffalo Pod, just the letter X Buffalo Pod. Um, and yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, great conversation. Uh, and TJ, I'm looking forward to seeing you next month, buddy. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to make that happen. Anthony, thanks so much for joining us. And we look forward to having you on again when the Panthers sign Jake McCabe in free agency. That's great. <laughs> By the way, I'll wax poetic about him too. Love McCabe. So looking forward to it. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, bud. Yeah, no problem. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.